I think I'm going to take my shirt off. Is that okay with you? It's just really hot in here. Of course. And if I have, if I have a fan, I think you'll hear it. Mm, oh, God, I love that it's so warm. This is going to look weird if I, like, try to put a video up of our talk, but, like... <laughs> like a naked interview. Yeah. We played strip poker at the beginning and I lost, so... Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. Today I have Mark Bioka. What's up? What's up? What's up, man? Hi, hi, Kaylin. Thanks for having me. I'm in Italy, actually. <laughs> hi from Italy. Ciao. Would I say buonanotte, like because it's late, or that's just when you're going to sleep? It's more like buonasera or good night. It would be buonanotte. Yeah. So I'll say that at the end, and then it'll be perfect. Yes. Okay. What city are you in right now? I'm in Rome. Back to my origins. Rome? What's, uh, where's that? Is that in Italy? Rome is in Italy, indeed. Oh, small town? <laughs> so it's just pretty much a village, you know what I mean? An unknown village. Yeah, nothing going on there. <laughs> no, man, Rome is... No history. Rome is crazy. It's, there's so much going on there. There are a few cities I've been to in my life that have a very big reputation and totally deliver. The first one I think of is New York. It 100% lives up to its like legendary reputation. Rome is another one. It's like this place is huge. There's stuff everywhere. It's like crazy dirty sometimes. And you're like, yeah, I guess it would because it's like a billion years old. Um, it's cool. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, definitely from a tourist point of view. I mean, I'm biased because obviously I, uh, you know, I've got the, the cultural background and I grew up here, but I definitely moved away to dance and to work uh, because there, you know, it's got its downsides, even though it's a beautiful city and to, you know, to enjoy the beautiful life in terms of being on holidays, perfect and yeah. history. But uh, not, not quite like New York on the working pace, let's say. <laughs> Absolutely. So we know each other from Alberta Ballet. You were there we when did. I first joined. So in addition to, like, so, but your story, you schooled in England, right? Royal Ballet School? Royal Ballet School, yeah. And London. Winnipeg, Royal Winnipeg Ballet? Northern Ballet before that. So I, I worked in the UK first. Okay, so Northern Ballet and then Royal Winnipeg, and then Alberta, where I met you. And then you went to Macedonia, and you danced at the National Macedonian Ballet, which Alexander the Great was a principal, uh, <laughs> one of their OG principals. He was the first principal there. The patron. Yeah, he was, he was the Nijinsky of Macedonian Ballet. And, and then... I actually kind of like lose track. Yeah, what, what's next? Don't worry, I lose track too. Uh, that, was a, that was a nice stint. I had forgotten about Macedonia, which was quite a, a change from Canada. But that was sort <laughs> from of From Alberta Ballet. Yeah, yeah, from Alberta. I went to Portugal. I was with the National Ballet there in, in, in Lisbon, which was great, three and a half years. And then my last ballet company was Budapest in Hungary. Right. Uh, the the yeah. Hungarian State Ballet. Um, and then since... 2018 I've moved into a little bit more acting musical theater work so just a little bit stepped away from the actual ballet ballet field but it's always something that comes up yeah the freelancing anyway 
you had the reputation, I think, of everybody knew Mark. Isn't that right? Like you just somehow you've been everywhere. It's, it's, it's a big joke. I always tell people now nah, it's so funny because I say it arrogantly before people I say, I know everyone. And then it turns out I really do. It's hilarious. Yeah. Like it's just a chance thing that now that there's this guy, this kid who uh, has just won this big TV contest in Italy and he's a good dancer. And I randomly met him last year at a gala. He was just starting out. I think he's only about 23. And so the other day I was looking at the TV and someone was having a joke and said, oh, do you know him? And I said, yeah, actually, yeah. Said, yeah. yeah, we actually talked. Yeah, he texted me. <laughs> it was quite funny. Yeah, that's great. So for the people listening, I bet you at least one person by this point has gone, Wait, what is that accent though? Uh, it is what a combination of Italian and learning English in England. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's mixed up. Like, I don't even know what it is. You know, if I think about it, it goes more British because that's, right. I suppose, my default accent, even though I was born and raised in Italy. But I went through Canada and then to many other foreign countries where, you know, obviously English was not the first language, but that's what I used there. So I'm used to adapting. Whoever right. I'm with, by the end of this, this chat with you, I'll probably, you know, got back a little bit of my Canadian. Right. We'll, we'll test it at the end. So I worked with a guy for a long time who's Japanese, but he went to school at, I think, ENB for a few years. And so he learned English in very much London. Mm -hmm. So when he speaks English, he's speaking it with a really thick Japanese accent, but also a British accent. Like it, it's like a Japanese Cockney accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I know what you mean. Wow. I've, I've definitely heard that before. The French Cockney is quite well known too. Yes, yeah, because you pick up on the slang and you just sort of, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And, so, and, and the UK is so unique with accents anyway, you know, in terms, it's quite funny how I was researching today for a project, The Price is Right, believe it or not. I have to do a thing where I'm inspired by the American presenter, historical presenter of The Price is Right. And I just saw this video where he was saying to the girl, sounds like you have a British accent and, and she has, she's German, but you can tell from a mile that she's German. And I thought, I just, I just love that when you cross the pond and people are like, are you British? No, I'm actually from Australia or something like that. But you know, yeah. that, that was quite funny. Yeah. She was, she was definitely crazy. German. Yeah. That's so funny. It was the, uh, what was that guy's name? Bob Barker. Bob Barker. Bob Barker. There you go. That's it. Yeah. He had this little mic in his hand and he was really hilarious. So yeah. I was doing some good research. <laughs> um, okay. So why don't I tell you what the, the idea of like the genesis of this episode is with the idea. So when I think of like the best colleagues I've ever had, you are like the first one, right? You're the first one that I think of. Like there are, I've had a lot of great colleagues, but working with you in Alberta, I think people who dance know this and people who don't dance might not know this, but you know, like anything, it's human, it's full of human beings and there's so many different types of people. And so so many different types of relationships you'll have, right? You could feasibly make a dramatic show about dance and not have to exaggerate, you know, like there's enough going on. <laughs> True that. And when I went to Alberta, I, I was exposed to how insecure I really was. Because when I was, you know, safe with my family or safe at the ballet school, I had enough people around me to kind of support that. When all of a sudden I was alone, separate from that and had no friends in the company, like I had nobody. It was like really tough. And I couldn't really connect with anybody in a way that felt meaningful, really my entire time in Alberta. 
So like my predominant experience was like, even if it's just a low level, there's like a baseline hum of, I don't feel safe. Like, I don't feel okay. Like I don't like who I am. I feel like I'm behind. I don't have any friends. I, don't, I feel uncomfortable, anxious around people. And then I got hurt. And then that was really tough. And then the next season, new people came and they were more successful than me and I was still hurt. And it was like, Ugh, this is tough. Um, and then Chef Jean got really rough and then I left. So there were good moments, but a lot of it was heavy. And my takeaway, there are a few bright spots when I think about Alberta. And one of them is you. And it's like every interaction we had. And I've tried to model myself and the way I am with people off of that because it had this really unique balance because I've met lots of nice, nice people, right? Like nice people, people are just smiley and positive and whatever, but there was something different in working with you. And so I want to, that's what I want to talk about. Sure. It's, it's such an incredible metaphor, uh, a ballet company for life, because we live a very enclosed, magnified, as you said, uh, reality. And at the end of the day, it tends to be generally very young people somewhere like alberta ballet where we met we were all very young in in a certain way you know i was a senior member at 25 26 you know and yeah. and that's in many other european companies you know you don't get to that till your mid to late 30s which is a whole other idea maybe you've gone through having kids and a family and and, and that already in itself makes you you know put things in perspective so you have sometimes people in senior positions who are still very young and haven't necessarily had that much more experience than, than the younger ones. But uh, there, there's so much, there's so much really that we take for granted that we don't realize because ballet dancers, I think the nature that makes us who we are and so beautiful is the fact that it's a fragile profession in every way. I know it sounds like a, like a sweeping statement, but it truly is. It's so fragile in every aspect from the day that you get your job to the day that you get your first role to the day that you get the first applause to the day that you do a step in a certain way, which physically might push you to hurt yourself or to the way that somebody will say to you, oh, you've got bad feet, <laughs> you know, you don't have turnout, you know, and that to us sounds like, you know, 32 lashes on your back because you know that that's potentially going to be something that that's what all people are looking at. They're looking at the fact that I've got bad feet. That's it. That's my, my life ruined, you know, and also we depend on each other and we compete with each other, which is, Probably, you know, going back to your topic, one of the strongest and weirdest parts of being a colleague, uh, because you tend to be competing with your friends and your support system, because most of us are living away from family and our friends. And so the colleagues become your family and your friends. And at the same time, they're young and they're competing with other people. So sounds exactly as it is which is very fragile <laughs> very iffy and it's always on a it's always a balance uh balancing act it's nice to reflect on it you know to, to, to have a moment and talk about it because you know you've said something to me which i have had when i was in your position as a younger dancer with northern ballet for example or in some other organizations where i was lucky enough to to have someone who not only maybe was a friend or a colleague, but became somewhat a mentor. And I think 
we always need to lead by example. You know, we, we, we treat people the way we want to be treated. You know, we leave our house a certain way. Why don't we leave the studio or the street or the, 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 the changing room in the same way? You know, it's, it's, it's the same concept to me anyway. What you brought that was, that really stood out, like there were little things that stood out, you know, like anecdotes. You gave me a nickname because you couldn't, I don't know if you couldn't pronounce my name or whatever. Like, can you tell me, like, why did you call me that? Let's leave it at that. I quite like the fact that, you know, <laughs> you don't know what? I was sort of the, the European foreigner. No, I, I love giving nicknames. And, and, you know, since Alberta Valley evolved, I feel like that was just the beginning. But I, yeah, I definitely love to give nicknames because some people hate it. But, you know, in your case, I think you didn't mind it because it was quite no. a good one. Well, so what was my nickname? Killian. Yeah, I just wanted, I wanted you to say it because it's your voice, right? Like, it sounds good coming out of your voice, like your <laughs> accent. But if I say it, like, Killian, it's like, oh, bad. It doesn't. <laughs> sounds wrong. Killian. And you would, um, one thing, a little, like, thing that I just took from you was, like, when I was doing something, like, okay, so also I'll say, I don't think I was a good dancer back then. Like, I think all evidence to me points, like, yikes. So let me let me interrupt you then and give you a little anecdote because I've never, never told you this and it's quite a good time to tell you. Okay. You've just reminded me, I probably haven't told you because I've never remembered, you've just reminded me of towards the end of my first year at, at Alberta Ballet, I was up in the office and Jean grabs me to show me pictures of this young guy that was going to be joining in some jump position, sort of a passe or some kind of a, almost, I don't know if it was sort of like a, or maybe it was a season. Anyway, he had the most beautiful pictures. And he was saying, look, this is what we're getting. And he was all, all happy. We were, this is what we'll be getting next year. You know, I can't do his accent. but and, and he was like, this guy is beautiful and he's so talented, really tall, you know, because also uh, that's an important thing. You know, we know that very often is something that's gone to our advantage, but he's really tall, but he can dance, and he can jump, and he went to the National Ballet School and he was, he was thrilled and excited that he just hired you. So there you go. So you must have been good already. Wow. <laughs> How do you answer that? Okay, I mean, like, yeah, that's a, I don't know. I'm gonna have to digest that takes time um okay well so wow bravo great story and very good timing for that story very good so okay well so i guess i'll just finish that story anyways like but i guess i wasn't bad whatever that's now in question um i'd be doing something and i'll say i wasn't all bad like i could do some stuff i could jump and i could do some beats or whatever and if something worked i would remember hearing your voice like i'd, I'd rather you said it because i don't have your accent yes killian yeah, you'd give me one of those. Um, and it was always positive. And it was like, you were probably the most like safe. It was like, oh, this is a safe space. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not in danger here. But with other people, it felt like this could go weird. They might think I'm weird. Like, I don't know. Well, it's that beautiful word. It's that, just that for forever <laughs> torturing word that we repeat to ourselves and we mostly repeat about others, which is judgment. And 
you know, I think it's something that I've tried for many years. I must admit, I went through probably after I'll build a valley, a harder patch, because the more you delve into the job, the more responsibility you have, the more we were in kind of a protective environment somewhere like Alberta Ballet, certainly my experience to, to other bigger companies where, you know, the judgment is, is triple what we had there. Yeah, and so absolutely. you you find yourself judging yourself before you do something and that brings doubt and fear, which are all these awful negative, let's say, feelings, darker feelings, which um, leave us, you know, they cut our legs. And, and, and as a dancer, you, you do have to work and improve and, and adapt, but you need to be able to, to, to spread your wings and fly, which is the most important fact. Um, and I think, you know, Again, probably I was in many ways trying to treat you or other younger dancers the same way I would like to be treated, you know, and, and, and also it really does help a kind word, as long as it's the truth, you know, I don't think I would ever have lied. Um, I'm not the kind of person that if I didn't think, if you didn't see something that you noticed as an improvement, you wouldn't, I wouldn't have said it, but to notice yeah. it and not say it, I think that's where we all go wrong sometimes. It's like caring, caring for others and actually taking yourself out of the picture and thinking, what if it was me doing that? Or what if that person is really trying, you know, to, to, to get something out of that moment? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Even if you smile to someone crossing the street, you, you, you more often than not will get a positive reaction from them. It might be this yeah. person that looks at you weirdly, but... It's the same, same concept, I think. Showing just like raw kindness to people in whatever form, I think is usually received well because when it's offered freely, you feel it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it cuts through the shit a little bit, right? And I, it's actually something that I found interesting, you know, we, with my mixed culture, accents, you name it, and, and very different countries I've lived in, you know, I love to say yeah, stereotypes are there for a reason, you know, because I can tell you definitely all the stereotypes about British people and Italians are true. Okay. <laughs> no, and just to say that, for example, as Italians, we say, oh my God, you know, the British, they're always so, this customer care, or Americans, for example, even Canada, everything's like, oh my God, how's your day? Good morning. You know, and sometimes you might be in Rome and go to a coffee and if the bar guy just doesn't feel like smiling, he's going to be miserable and basically throw your coffee at you. And he's thinking <laughs> that he's, he's has the right to and that he's being himself but sometimes making the effort to do something that you don't feel like doing will do so much more for the other people so what's more important you know that you you're miserable for for those five minutes or that you give it to other people or that you act as you're not miserable and you might actually make other people's day better so <laughs> the equation mm -hmm. is quite simple really in my mind whether it's genuine or not it, it, it can do good the way I feel I experience it the most is with younger guys in the company, especially when I went to Estonia, because Estonia, I was like lead principal and there's just like a position. There's, there's something that comes with that where people kind of look at you a certain way, right? If like a 19 year old or 18 year old is brand new in the company, like you might be able to have an impact on him, right? And like get through. And I tried to, in some, in some way, try to take each one of them under my wing in a little bit. And it wasn't conscious. Like really it was just passing on what I felt like I got from you. And so I'd see somebody who's like a total mess, which is what I identify as. <laughs> That's my, my self-identification is I was a mess at that point, right? 
just like trying tricks over lunch like that we're not working rather than working on technique and like you know just oh, switch but i gotta do it like okay um well it got and, you to lead principle so you did something good there too no i i met the right person in my next company who changed everything but alberta i wasn't improving um i needed a really specific kind of coaching and i got all of it later in life i got all of it starting at 23 like that's it but yeah so i see these guys now and it's like it's just wanting to be positive. And you know what a lot of it is, is it's letting them know when they've succeeded. And that's basically what you're saying, right? It's like, we get so much shit all the time. Every time you look in the mirror, you're giving yourself shit, probably. The director, especially the director we had back then, that when he chose to give you shit, he gave you all of it. Mm-hmm. It rained. So you say that it was a young company, but I came at 19. There was nobody in that age group. Everybody was like 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. There wasn't anybody in the mm-hmm. company that was really my age that... I could click with mm-hmm. they came they came the next season and so the next season did feel better but but the next season i was injured so it was still tough yeah that makes sense you know it's the peers it's the people around you that you can relate to and that you go also that you're kind of going through the same things yeah yeah i remember uh one thing you told me one one example after a class we were both going downstairs to the change room and i was like dude my body hurts so much Cause like I had shin splints and just like, you know, you just dance a lot and you're like, stuff hurts, you know? And you said, well, do it all now. Cause there'll be a point in your life when you don't, right. Where you're not, where you don't feel like up to it. Right. And that's a good point. And part of it is just when you're just doing core or apprentice, whatever, and you, maybe you got to like, like a couple weeks or whatever, you know, simple, you can afford to after class, just bang out the same double two or 25 times. And even if every time you do it, you mess it up, like you're all right. But if you've got Siegfried on Friday, there's no way on Monday. Well, I mean, some people might, but you're not going to throw yourself around the same way, right? You're like, yeah, I got it. I got to I gotta actually dance, right? And so when I see these guys later, as I move up in my own career, and I see these guys just going crazy, and I'm like, yo, I get it. Like, I get trying a triple soda Bosque after class and falling down every time. But like, I, you couldn't pay me to do that now, you know? If I feel good and it's all good, fine but usually I got two different ballets I'm working on. I'm just going to work on those steps only, you know? And it's just like, I just, it was kind of a cool thing to like see that experience as the young guy and then just see it totally inverted later. And it's like, oh, this is a really cool echo. Like this experience happened, passed off into the universe and it bounced back at me the other way. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Isn't that amazing to have lived through that? You know, Not every dancer gets... Gets. I mean, that's that's the fact. That's one of the other hard facts is not everyone is going to make it to the top. Not everyone's going to get wonderful opportunities. Not everyone's going to get to live even sometimes again the emotions they've lived through doing certain roles or having an opportunity, but maybe they won't get the next one or too many. But what you're saying is, is I agree with that, but I also find that each generation or each time has its its relevance like obviously the young kids are trying to get seen they're trying to push the boundaries because technique is pushed i mean if i had to start out again with what i was like 20 years ago uh i don't know if i would have the same career because you know technique evolves all the time i look at the graduates from the royal ballet school and nowadays i mean there's there's 20 of them and each of them has absolutely every technical element physical height all of all of it you know uh so it's different they don't all have height. There's still short people out there. 
<laughs> no, but for example, you know, if, you, if we want to use that as, a, as something that, you know, when I was graduating, there were three of us who were tall, and that's why we got to do a lot of the part of their work. And through yeah. that, I learned so much. So I yeah. think when you're older as a dancer who, who's maybe doing more, more important roles, you are actually learning through the work that you're doing. You're getting out of it what you need. So you don't need to push through it as, as well as what you're saying, which is physically you wouldn't be able to, you know. Um, so there's both sides to it. Um, but I also think each, which is something that unfortunately is so lacking in the dance world, is no two people are alike. And it, it's actually, it's a very simple statement, but it's so important because we're constantly thriving to be the same or better than someone who's doing the same thing in a similar way. And, you know, all our bodies function differently, all our minds, all our spirits, you know. And so each artist is so individual that the minute you standardize them and you want to judge them according to a technique already, which is inevitable because ballet is a technique, but you're going you're gonna to find so many obstacles. Do you have any uh, standout colleagues we could talk about maybe? So we talk, are we talking about Alberta Ballet? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Too, so many. So many. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, um, face, we could, face, who's got a baby. Who Mal would be the first about. person I would mention, yeah. Mal and Yukichi, Chris Rudd. Can't, oh, Chris has been on the show, actually. Um, uh, fucking <laughs> So, and I'll just bleep out that name, I guess. So, this guy we worked with, he came, he was offered a principal contract, like, straight up, like, join as principal. He came, and... And he was so chill and he like, he just like was such a guy, you know, just like such a dude. And so he's doing principal stuff right away, which is hard in that company because there's so many guys like ready to go, right? Like right at the, on the cusp. And he told me, he's having a conversation with the guys with some other dudes, right? And I was so innocent. And somehow in the conversation, they said to me, um, it came out, um, I was like, don't you want to do more pirouettes though? Like, don't you want to do like push yourself and try to do four or five, whatever on stage? And he was like, hey man, two pirouettes, three pirouettes, same paycheck. And I was like, damn, that's some bitter shit. Like, it's not a good paycheck. Get out of here, man. Like, do something else. So I heard that. And some part of me said, I'm not going not, to, not me. I'm not going to become that. Right. And I haven't. I've chilled out. I'm not going to force myself to do five pirouettes on stage. I've learned balance, but it's not because of like bitterness. Um, oh, and then at the end of the season, he just bailed on the company, like right before Elton. Yeah. Remember that? And everybody's like, oh, he, what? He just left? And it's like, all right, well, I guess we replaced him. The show's in like three days or something like that. Damn. Yeah, I think what was me that replaced him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because then you had, then you did the, the Elton's Lover, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was basically, hey, Mark, now you need to learn a, like a two-man duet, very emotional, very physical, lots of lifts, and you're going to make out at the end, and the show's in 72 hours. One of those thrilling moments at the time, you know, when one's mixed between bitterness, <laughs> that, 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 that feeling does come in. But, oh, it's amazing, the, the colleagues who, who... I had a colleague in Northern Valley who just left a letter on the director's desk and disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever saw him again uh, but uh, the best colleagues I've had have certainly been people who tend to not take themselves seriously but take the job really seriously which is something I 
I feel like I'd never really learned so much to do, but I think sometimes those moments, maybe when I was older, that was the time where I was able to do that, you know, where I was certainly very hardworking and, you know, focused and I had to, but then there was also the fact that I was taking it lightly and loved having a laugh and nicknames or whatever. I mean, Mel was someone like that. I felt that I loved the, 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 her, her infectious energy, you know, with the music yeah. and her loudness in a certain way. And, creating a story that was funny tara was like that you know there was lots of lightness in that in that game melissa was like the female you <laughs> she would also give people nicknames and joke around a lot totally and i love her <laughs> did you work with mark wax yes dude mark wax is the best so he's someone i didn't know I... him like that though because back then his first season my last season and maybe yours was his first season it was quite serious he was like really serious when I hung out with him in Norway, the dude's loose as a goose, man. Brilliant person. He's, so he's funny. Great. I love that dude. Fucking Mark Wax. And yeah, he came, he was just 6'4", and he could turn. And Jean was like, so you're going into everything now. You're the like lead angel, because Jean likes to put angels in every single ballet he does. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so you're the angel now in everything we do, okay? <laughs> you're angel. I remember that. And Mark would talk shit back to Jean day one. Like he would give as good as he got, right? And Jean loved it because he was so cheeky. Yeah, he, he had this attitude that, that made it work. Sassy also in a certain So that's way. the thing. You have, these are these different, totally different energies, right? Where you can have somebody who, when the director says anything, like even a legitimate correction, you can just be sassy and it always plays. Or you can have somebody like Davidson who you can just walk in the room and he just doesn't like you that day. And he'll just like start picking on you right away. And it's like, what, <laughs> you know? I mean, certainly something that uh, I learned through my career, which is important about dancers or anyone in, in an environment is that when you have a director who is also choreographer, so they're most of the time your boss, it's very difficult because, you know, even in, in a corporate world, you'd have your the boss, you know, the CEO, yeah. you'll have the, the intermediary boss, you'll have your project manager, you'll be dealing with a client, you know, you might have many different people to deal with. If you're dealing with the same person almost the whole day, every day, they're going to have so much power over you and they're not going to be constructive or even objective over over what they see, that, that they're humans. So they're going to end up getting frustrated with somebody who always gets the wrong feeling or somebody who doesn't do what they want them to do necessarily. So... It's, uh, it's magnified. I, I definitely swore after Alberta Valley that I would never work for a choreographer director. In fact, I never did again. And it yeah. was definitely one of the positives of all the other companies I worked with because the director was definitely, let's say, the person who had most of your career in their hands, but also the choreographers who came in, the ballet masters, the staff. I mean, there's so many other people mm -hmm. involved. It's just like much more spread out. Yeah. So I've filled you in on what it felt like for me at that time. Could you see it? Could I? Like, what was it from your end? So from my end, it was a, a very, you were like a, it's quite funny because you were, it's like those big dogs that, you know, everyone thinks they're strong and big and like, you know, but they can also be puppies. So, you know, your physicality, because you're tall and broad, 
you know, is very imposing. You know, you come in, you came in at 19, you know, I suppose that the, the assumption is he's going to be the next principal because he's got that look. He's come from the National Ballet School. He's got this, this ability. And you were also very hardworking. Like you were motivated. You were not there to waste time. Um, I think it's quite, it's quite interesting that we've done this today because I was reading a chapter in my book today which has something along the lines of what I'm about to say. I think sometimes people wanted you to say things or behave in a way that they, how can I say, they believed to be within the way that people say things or the way that people act. And sometimes you would come across differently through your honesty, through your sense of humor, through your also being keen. Uh, keen Leon could have been your name as well because you were very keen to communicate. You were very keen to ask. You were very keen to question. You, you know, you'd make a joke. And I always found it, maybe because I'm European, maybe because I'm, you know, mixed, I always found it funny. I found it sweet in the sense that it was genuine. I felt like you were never... That's one thing that I definitely knew about you. You were never putting on an act. You were never trying to be someone else. You were never not saying something if you wanted to say it. Um, and so, yeah, I think sometimes it was perceived. And then there was that second phase when you were injured where I empathized with someone being lost um, through the system, not dealing with it well, and maybe not having enough things to grasp onto, you know, enough people around you, enough of a background in the company, because if you get injured after three or four years, it's different if you get injured, you know, when you've just got there. Um, but I, I don't know, I feel like it's very easy to say now, but I feel like I always knew you'd be all right because you were definitely passionate. I can always recognize passionate people. The person we mentioned earlier, I didn't mind as a person, but he's not a colleague I particularly remember. Fun, fun to have drinks with. But, mm. you know, if this is definitely something I've done many times in my life. If somebody starts to talk about money and that they're doing it for money, I just turn my back to them and I do my own thing because I have no time for that. Even though not enough money in the ballet world and even though we've got to survive and even though, you know, you get older and you look at that as well, it's never been my driving force and I think it can't be for an artist that's why we need agents the agents should be dealing yeah. with it but um yeah. the money is not the reason why one does it never you put it really well I think when you said you click with people the most who take the job seriously but don't take themselves too seriously that's like a really simple way of putting it because it's like it's cool to be like lighthearted, but also if you don't care like we don't jive I mean, to me, if it's about being a, a good colleague, two of my favorite words are empathy and ma being magnanimous. So if one empathizes with both the person who, you know, is necessarily your superior or below you or at the same level in a company or in any work environment, and if you're magnanimous enough to forgive them, to understand maybe why they're treating you in a way that you don't like. Those two things help you. Right. Becoming more inclusive and caring about the little person or caring about the new person or the hurt person or the injured, you know, whatever it is, that developed over time. And I think I had to get to the point where I didn't feel like I was 
um, it's like if you're bobbing up and down underwater, I had to get to the point where I didn't feel like I was going underwater, right? Once I felt like, okay, I'm steady now. Um, and I can even actually keep my head above water and, you know, I, I can see a bit now, but now I can see the other people who look like they're bobbing up and down and I can help them. So it's not that I was bad, a bad colleague before. It's just, I couldn't be outwardly helpful. And I think what that meant actually was I was very outwardly sensitive without people realizing. So if I felt like somebody didn't like me because I already felt really unlikable, it was like, oh shit. And then now I've made this weird for both of us because I'm so insecure. So you might just be being neutral with me, but because I need you to be really nice for me to feel like I'm doing okay. You know, like I need you to do the legwork and make up for my insecurity. And so that means if you don't do it, maybe I feel like it's unsafe around you. And so I guess my, my point, if there is a point there, is that it, was, it would have been too quick for me to be like, oh, I'm just going to be like really caring of people and really nurturing and like try to make sure everybody feels okay. I couldn't have done that before because I was just like scattered and like, ah, you know? So I guess not to put that pressure on, on anybody, you know? It can't be like, well, today you got to start being the best colleague. Like maybe you've got your own shit going on, right? But um, I think it's just an awareness. You know, once you have the awareness, which you're definitely someone who's very aware of, of emotions and feelings, once you're aware of it, you, you know, you do what you yeah. can. You can't make miracles. And we're all in the same boat. What's so ironic is that everywhere I've been, wherever I've worked, whoever I've met, especially in the field of dance, we're all in the same boat. And you, you would never tell. Some of the people who seem the most confident are the most yeah. sensitive, the ones that seem that they've got all their shit together, they're going to crumble the next day, you know, because we're, we're constantly on this, you know, seesaw balance. Something that I like to think is all of the people who I look at, who you look at, who any of us look at as, oh my God, um, look at what they've achieved, whether it be external, you know, like they're a, a champion of something, um, uh, or they're a leader, you know, or uh, even just, you know, this person seems really confident or really patient, you know? Yes, you're right that they have their own insecurities and stuff that we can't see. But even if people really, because it's not like everybody's outward face is a sham. Some people legitimately have worked through stuff and by virtue of working through it, have become something new. And it's cool for me to think that some of the people I've, like say you, for example, you were really kind to me. And you were kind because you knew the importance of it because you had received it as well. So like, you know, like a kid right now listening who thinks like, oh, but I, I have no idea what it would be like to care for others like that, like to be a leader, to be somebody that other people look to. Yeah, but that's because you're however old you are now because you're not there yet, but it's possible, right? We learn so much more from obstacles and from failure and from difficulties that we do from triumph and success. That's a fact. So, you know, the more, the more failures you have, the stronger and wiser and, and more empathetic understanding. And maybe, you know, your path becomes even steeper that way because you, you're able to, to weed through all the irrelevant stuff. You see in people when they go through an experience like a big injury and they come back, all of a sudden they look at life a little bit differently because they've been through some shit. And because mm -hmm. if you've been through that shit too, you look at them and you're like, you get it now. Like I see it in your eyes. You're different now. This thing changed you. And it's dope when it happens because then somebody else falls into that same booby trap and you're like, hey brother, I've been through it. I'm not alone. What do you need? 
Um, okay, last small one quickly, unless there's anything else that comes up, but last small one before I'll wrap up and we'll go. Um, so when I joined, I was fresh out of school and in school, you always wear your, your clothes, right? And when I got there in Calgary, we started in July 3rd, was our first day. My birthday. Okay, that's great. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> um, I do remember the first day we took class. I remember sitting in the studio because I was with the twins. So we got there always super early, like an hour early. And I would just sit and chill. And because I didn't, I didn't know what more exercises to do for a full hour. I, I didn't know anything yet. So I'd like, give you a million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now I'm like, an hour is not even enough. Um, and I remember sitting there the first day. And so we were like the first people in the room. And every time somebody walked in, male or female, I was like, you know, that person's really hot. Every person. Like, you could just, you walk in like, I'm saying like everybody was attractive. Like I noticed it immediately. Like Matt Lehman walks in the door. That guy's hot. Kelly walks in the door. That guy's really hot. Travis and his girlfriend good come taste. in. Like, they're both really hot. The girls, like everybody was good looking. Like I felt like the young male in me, like, what do I do? There's so many beautiful women in here. Do I ask somebody out? Like I was like, uh, what am I? I'm going crazy my first day. Hormonal. I was also like, I was really excited because it's my first day as a professional, right? So I was so pumped up. But so one of the things that I noticed early on was because it was so hot and we'd open that big door and it would be hot in the studio. The guys would take their shirts off. And I was like, okay. Cause again, everything's new. Cause I'm brand new. Right. Guys take their shirts off. Okay. And I'm, I mean, you notice some of these guys don't have great bodies. Okay. Like I'm not saying they're horrible, but it's like, this isn't anything to brag about. And then we start doing rehearsal for Elton and the potters are like body on body. And these guys leave their shirts off. Some of them. I'm like, yo, you're a sweaty man with no shirt, partnering that girl, poor her. So and then I went to my next company and I thought that was normal. So I go to Bally Jorgen where we share space with the college. So like it's George Brown College. So there's like literally dudes who do plumbing down the hallway that way, metalwork guys that way. And I would just like walk around shirtless through the hallways with like little booty shorts onto the water fountain. And it took me, a little while to realize, wait a second, I'm the only one doing this. It was definitely a very much Alberta Ballet thing. I don't Do you think, think it so? really happened anywhere else. Yeah, I okay. remember as even being at the National when we did the Luminato Festival and it was sort of contagious. We all did it, especially because when we did the Joni Ballet, we had to be without our tops yeah. for, for the actual piece. Most of Jean's work is half naked he's obsessed very with that. little clothing so um i think that was something that became i must admit it's really weird because it's also for example you know the the long picture we had the vogue style yes thing my dad has it in his kitchen and and you know it's, it's, it's my cousin picture. has it in his bathroom <laughs> there you go yeah. lots of good use for it but it was quite a cool thing that we did but i remember almost arguing with jean because i refused to take my top off at the right. time, you know, and I was like, no, because it was so obsessed and it was like, you know, it, this is another interesting fact that you said, most people say ballet dancers have the most amazing bodies. And sometimes we don't have the perfect sculpted, you know, bodybuilder oh, yeah. top half. We'll be strong, yeah. but usually it's the legs that are the more sculpted yeah. because of what nature, what we do. And so I was like, I didn't want to be, you know, we can, I'll, I'll have my legs out, you know, also because I think I was next to Kelly who had the, the perfect six pack or whatever. Yeah. And, and, but it was funny because it was so normal there to do it. And I must admit nowhere else I've been, was it something yeah. required but so when you left i'm just saying like your your official stance on being shirtless in the studio 
partnering with a girl, you're a, a hell no. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Hell Especially no, yeah. partnering. No, yeah. I mean, uh, probably would be better if you've got, if you've got a really sweaty shirt, you know, usually it's that's, that's to do with conduct. You know, you get washed, you get changed, especially um, someone who sweats a lot and the guy, you know, does all the lifting and the dancing. So we will sweat more maybe than yeah. the girl. So it's yeah. a question of etiquette. I would say tend to, yeah, cover up because body on body is a bit more. Save that for the show. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The a girl that I ended up dating years later, I did it like early with Bella Jorgen came on and she was like doing a dance and I would enter after and I took my shirt off because it was a long sleeve shirt and it was really, it was heavy. I took it off for this thing. We weren't going to partner, but it's a scene. And when she, she like kind of runs back and then turns to face me. And so I surprised her with my, without wearing a shirt, she didn't know. And she screamed out loud. <laughs> she turned around and she's like, ah, and and, uh, and then it was like, it was uncomfortable, but like, I still didn't think anything was like, like now if I would be so uncomfortable doing it. But at the time I thought it was fine. So, but yeah, she, she screamed. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just, I didn't know. I was really surprised me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put my shirt on from now on. It's fine. Um, so. There was a the whole community. It's all about what happens in the group and what goes yeah. at the time. It, yeah. I suppose it was a good thing in a certain way. We were less worried even the girls there were far less issues in Alberta Valley with with you know the body John was quite inclusive he liked the physicality than, than other ballet companies you know it's like oh my god <gasps> the skinniness that's true yeah yeah Marco grazie thank you so much for coming on I would do the rest in Italian but I don't know it so um it's been lovely to talk to you always is and thank you for some of these nuggets uh, that i didn't know man <laughs> thank you thank you killian my dear friend it's been it's been fab it's uh, it's been a nice chat i think it's lovely that you're doing this and yeah i'd uh, i'd love to hear more about it and any of the people who who have uh, listened in if they had any questions they want to reach out to us you know I'm, yeah how, uh, how do people reach out to you well, obviously, you now we're, we're all over social media. So Mark Bjork is my name on, on Instagram, Facebook. You know, I have also this project called Internation Ballet, which uh, you can check out. Uh, we have some shows coming up. Most of my performing work happens in Italy or the UK. So not really planning to come over to Canada at the minute, but hopefully in the future, who knows? People should definitely check you out on International Valley because that's where you'll offer free classes, workshops, you'll do uh, Instagram lives. So definitely Indeed. check that out. Uh, you can reach us at 22guys on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, email us at 22guyspod at gmail.com with questions, concerns, topic ideas, uh, anything you want. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review. Uh, that's good also for uh, getting the podcast out there. So we appreciate that. Only nice things. <laughs> yeah if you want to shit talk the guest that's fine but make sure the positive talk is, is uh, you can do that in italian yeah 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 google won't understand um but yeah thanks man it's really good to see you thank you do you have a sense of belonging anywhere dance just dance dance